you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54, and Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Final score, Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20. There it is, Mitch Holtis. He's been waiting his whole damn life to make that call. And Chiefs fans, they've been waiting 50 years for their team to hoist the Lombardi. And it finally happened on this, the second day of February 2020. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions after that 31-20 win over the San Francisco 49ers, a game in which they were down like they were in all their postseason games by double digits, this time in the fourth quarter. And yet... Patrick Mahomes and company would not be denied. Dan Hansis here, the Around the NFL podcast presented by Little Caesars. And yes, I'm coming to you from a hard rock stadium that is filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Still filled with uh, some Chiefs fans and employees. Usually... I feel like we start the taping after midnight, got it going a little quicker, like there's still an MVP chant going on. Uh, It was exciting. These fans don't want to leave. They've waited, you know, uh, half a century for this. Uh, Yeah, usually when we're here, it feels like we're ghosts like passing through a stadium and and, and you can't, you're not sure if you're human or not until you get back to the hotel. Um, But in this case, we're here. The field is covered in confetti, and uh, we're on the third level of the really nice Hard Rock Stadium here in Miami. It was a great Super Bowl week, um, a lot of fun, a great city for a Super Bowl, the 11th Super Bowl in this area, which is most uh, just past New Orleans. And uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, um, 
this was the dream come true. And I got to watch the second half of this game uh, in the seats uh, with my cousin, Matt. And I just, you know, watching so, an older gentleman guy looked like he was in his 50s with his wife, um, a Chiefs fan in Jersey. As that game, it became clear after, obviously, the Damian, even before the Damian Williams run that clinched it, um, it was becoming clear. Then the Williams touchdown, and then you, there was this release like, oh, my God, the Chiefs, Wes, are going to win the Super Bowl. And it was a well-earned win and one that didn't look particularly like it was heading in this direction even halfway through the fourth quarter. Well, I, the Chiefs, to me, their players and coach kind of remind me of the fans. It's been so long since they got that Super Bowl. And for Andy Reid, it's been so long. A guy like Frank Clark finds his way there. Honey Badger finds his way to Kansas City to make this happen. Terrell Suggs is lucky enough to come along for the ride at the end of the year. A lot of guys just find their way to Kansas City and end up winning this one. And you're right, fourth quarter, at uh, midway through the fourth quarter, 49ers had a 95.6% win prob- probability, and I know that's not your favorite oh, stat. The latest <laughs> evidence that people need to st- stop talking about win probability, it means nothing other than a Twitter talking point It means it's unlikely. It means it's unlikely the other team's going to win. And now no, Ky- duh. Kyle Shanahan, would not, it, it peaked at about 99.6% against the oh, Patriots no. early in the fourth quarter, Oof. and now he's had 95.6%. Well, the, that percentage I don't think takes into account Patrick Mahomes. It just doesn't. Or the Chiefs' offense. Or Andy Reid. Like, the way that you have to dominate Patrick Mahomes and make his life uncomfortable for 60 minutes I think is the hardest thing to do in the NFL. The 49ers balled out on defense, not unlike, I believe, the Seahawks balled out on defense against the Broncos. They did so many things right for the first three quarters. I think in a lot of scenarios and with a lot of quarterbacks, that game would have been 27 to 6 at with 8 minutes left in the fourth quarter and there never could have been a comeback but Mahomes got out of a lot of plays that could have gone worse. He had a lot of negative plays. The Chiefs defense did just enough and it, it just shows you, yeah, you can you can do a lot well. They held him to 5.3 yards per play, which is a very low number for the Chiefs. And the Chiefs still put up 31 points in nine drives. They barely had the ball and they still went over 30. But not surprising because that's what they've been doing for months and months, and if we had one kernel of information going into the, for the last two weeks to to base all our analysis on that the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes would open the third quarter with back to back picks by Patrick Mahomes, and that the Niners would be nestling a twenty to ten lead minutes into the fourth, you would think this is a perfect setup for San Francisco to run away with this thing. But if you give Patrick Mahomes even ten minutes to operate and it gets hot. Everything's off the table. 50 to 52 and a half minutes of game time, the Niners balled out on D. And I, I remember thinking as the game was reaching, as it's ticking through the fourth quarter and they have a 20 to 10 lead, and thinking to myself, what made the Chiefs so unstoppable when they were humming in the regular season, but especially in those two comebacks in the AFC playoffs, it was that big play ability that the Niners through their dominant front four um, were taking away Mahomes running for his life just bit by his brilliance kept this game close because almost any other quarterback this side of Lamar Jackson has a couple sacks fumbles and the game gets away like what Von Miller did to Cam Newton a, a few years back 
uh, but he was able to stay on his feet, l- keep the game from getting away. And the ge- what really sticks out to me at that moment, again, midway through the fourth quarter, after the Tyreek Hill catch is overturned on review, and you feel the entire building is psyching up. It feels like the Niners are about to make the big play They're to about win. about two plays away from winning the Super Bowl. It is third and a mile. It was third and 14, I believe, third and 15. And I leaned to my cousin, Matt. I said, the most likely play is that you get try to get half of this back and then make a manageable fourth down, <laughs> uh, fourth and five, and get it done. But no, that's not what the Chiefs do. That's not how they operate. And even in a game where they never made any big plays, with the season on the line, Mahomes dropped back and this time found Tyreek Hill West on a busted coverage, and that changed everything. It was fun to watch that in person yards. because you see Mahomes – drop back and un- unfurl the ball before Tyreek Hill breaks open. He doesn't even know where Tyreek Hill is on the field. He just lets it go as far as he can. It was a huge play, and the 49ers secondary let down their pass rush. Hmm. That play where they lost Tyreek Hill was a Tredavious Moore defensive pass interference in the end zone. Sherman Richard losing Sherman Watkins. getting beat by Sammy Watkins off the line of scrimmage. A lot of big plays there by the secondary allowed. Let's listen to that. Let's listen to that call. Uh, the big 44-yarder, because it really changed everything. The game was never the same after that play. Four-man rush, but those four are enough. Here they come. Mahomes stepping up. He's throwing long downfield for Tyreek Hill. Got it at the 20-yard line. And then spun down there, the first giant chunk of the game on third down and 15. And Mahomes guns it for 44 yards down to the San Francisco 21-yard line. Wes hit on it so well with the anticipation that he needed to trust Tyreek Hill to be there. But the reason he had to let it go was because DeForest Buckner, who had a great game and I think could have been in the mix for MVP if anyone ever voted for defensive players, you know, if the 49ers had won, hit Patrick Mahomes on that play pretty much right after he let go of the ball. But I, I love that you brought up that, you know, Dan, that they went for a, a long pass on that play rather than going short. Cause that is kind of what's different about these Chiefs, and especially Andy Reed. Maybe it's Patrick Mahomes who changed him or maybe it's Andy Reed who has a great effect on Mahomes. Like you can't really answer that, but their aggressiveness was so key. And Mahomes mentioned it was the same play call as in the fourth quarter against the Patriots in the AFC championship game last year in a very similar third and very long situation that they dialed it up for Tyreek Hill and they hit it then. And that game kind of reminded me of this one where the Patriots played perfect defense and the Chiefs scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, just like they did a year ago. The difference this time is the Chiefs defense made stops. The Chiefs defense let Patrick Mahomes go win win games. You're rolling your eyes, Mark. No, not at all. I mean, I I look at the Niners offense because I said this was going to be the game where Kyle Shanahan, this was going to be his coronation. And after that second Mahomes interception, that's where I thought they could seal this thing. And instead they go three and out and can't generate anything. It's a punt. And it's like they had chances through the entire fourth quarter to be what the Niners have been on offense in this postseason. And they looked nothing like it. And I was, I, I, you're right that the Chiefs defense, which won't be talked about as much as Patrick Mahomes, because Patrick Mahomes is the most talked about American over the last two weeks of all. I mean, and it's just like, fine, let's just keep talking about Patrick Mahomes. He had two ugly interceptions. This is probably one of his weakest games of the year until the final 15 minutes. And the Niners offense went to sleep. I think if you're a Niners fan, you have to be extremely frustrated with how they disassociated from who they've been down the stretch. The whole game. The whole game, I thought the play calling 
was the play calling of a head coach who was worried about a quarterback being this, the deciding factor in a game. And it didn't help that Jimmy Garoppolo threw that ugly interception early in the game where he was just throwing it nowhere, where you know there was pressure on him early and he just kind of threw it up to nothing. And maybe that did make Kyle Shanahan a little conservative. He talked about how at the end of the first half, he took a lot of grief you know, on Twitter sure he didn't know about it but you know by going run run, not taking a timeout and then running the ball twice uh before they wound it up you know wound up hitting a big play and almost getting a field goal but it was a very conservative uh approach and he said we were very comfortable being 10 to 10 we were we were we were happy to go to halftime 10 to 10 if we hit a big run on that first run then we would have maybe gone for it more and that that was Does that sound shocking. like the 49ers to you? That's shocking to me. We had another great season with Sky Sports and Neil Reynolds and the whole gang. And at the end of the first quarter, Mark and I went and did a Sky Sports hit with Josh Norman. An excellent hit, by the way. Uh, I thought it was maybe a perfect hit. <laughs> Close to. <laughs> maybe it's, a 12 it's out been of 10. A, it's been a season-long battle. Every time <laughs> two of us come downstairs from uh, the podcast yeah. studio after two of us do a sky hit. It doesn't really matter which two it is. We immediately <laughs> tell the other two, like, you're not going to talk But it's a battle right. in your mind, but, Greg, because Dan and I are immediately DM'd by Neil suggesting that yeah. was well, some of the best were television you the, Were seen. you the guy that said basically every time you you say something, then the opposite <laughs> happens right as you Don't leave the Don't let him try to take the shine That's away. Drama. That's drama. Because you know how right? our last hit on Sky Sports ended? It ended with me calling out our producer, Mace, Sorry, Mace, who right when Jimmy G, I mean, uh, right when Mahomes throws that second interception, he said game over. And then we get on the air and I just started talking about there's no way this thing, this game is over. We've seen it too many times. Defenses and congratulations, Greg. Right. Well, so you turned this into so a won. pro Greg narrative. Yeah, so well, I'm going to get saying. back to my initial yeah, point. Yeah. Where were we which going? Was well, if you're going to say it was Josh the best Norman, a former All-Pro cornerback, uh, you know, active player. After we got up there right around the Jimmy G pick, and the last thing Norman said, and then we went to break, was like, this guy's a game manager. And I was like, oh, he's still battling that. And I'm not saying this is not on Jimmy G, this loss. But the, the, again, the play that comes to mind, again, it's 2010. They get the big play to Hill. Uh, the Chiefs, they get in the end zone on the Kelsey touchdown. It's 2017. Things are still okay. You have a, a big uh, you have a big third and five, and you just got to make a play. Somebody's got to step up. And, and, and I know Kyle Shanahan is people that love Shanahan, and I have all the respect in the world for him as a, as a coach, but it just this is the way sports work, man. He's now got this around his neck, and it's going to just continue to build around him as a career narrative that you had 28-3 OC, with the Falcons four years ago, now you get 2010 lead, and you needed this offense, this genius. Uh, and Wes, you wrote an amazing piece on NFL.com breaking down these offenses uh, and the quarterback play. You got to make somebody's got to make a play, and maybe you got to dial up a play to help out your team when, when they're starting to get a little tight, and they couldn't do it. And that is going to stick with Niners fans for a long time. Yeah, I I saw Andy Reid's wife after the game said. Humble he brag. was as calm as <laughs> I just saw an interview on TV. I didn't actually see her, but she said that uh, he was as calm as a cucumber and he was treating this like it was just another game. And that's something that you always say. But I think you could tell that he handled it a little bit differently than Kyle Shanahan. Well, I think we we should give Steve Spagnolo some credit for how that fourth quarter. Yeah, you should. Greg. Out. That's three, Greg. <laughs> He's got three rings as a D.C. now. 
right? No, or two. He, he only got one in New York. All right, he's only got one. So he's got two now, one in each conference, mm. like one of the great DCs of all time. <laughs> or at least the last 10 years. I mean, he's a big game DC. And I think the Chiefs coaching staff, to their credit, kept trying different things uh, on offense and defense throughout the game until something worked. And in the fourth quarter, they started dialing up pressure. And this is where I, I do think you can kind of put it on Jimmy G, you know, to some extent. They started dialing up pressure in those last three drives that went nowhere. And it was pretty clear where the pressure's coming from. Troy's calling it before the play. It's like it's overloaded. They did it again and again. And Jimmy G held the ball. And he took some sacks. And Kendall Fuller made a big-time play. And Chris Jones knew the pressure was coming and just waited for Jimmy G to throw it on one third down and just jumped up and, and slapped it down. He made a lot of big plays. So the players made big plays. But they didn't get it all blocked up. And when they did, Jimmy G didn't have an answer. And sometimes that's the difference between a guy like Mahomes or a guy like Brady having an answer when those blitzes come in a big spot. He didn't have an answer. I thought that after the interception by Jimmy G early on that there was a at least a two-quarter chunk of the game where he did respond well. And he... he you know, he's not making killer downfield he throws. He was locked in. For but he was locked large, in. After that right. pick and before the Chiefs come back, he could not miss. In fact, every throw was right on the numbers in the hands. That's what makes this such a, a tough loss for the Niners. Obviously, the Super Bowl loss is devastating. But they looked like they were rolling. The defense was lights out, and Garoppolo was on target. It, it changed so quickly. Yeah, he it's got just a, that fourth quarter. Garoppolo got a higher PFF grade for this game than Mahomes, and – I'm not saying it was even that close. Hmm. But you still, we, we started talking on the way over here, and, and there is kind of a conversation that, you know, it wasn't a great Mahomes game compared to other games because he did have those negative plays. He had, you know, he took this three, one of the worst games I've three seen plus sacks uh, and a couple interceptions. Josh but, Norman's but calling him. Down they, with no, no, I know that's game. what I'm saying. Josh My Norman's is, calling him rattled at a, a right, few times right. while he's playing. He was, no, he, he was frenetic and. You can think of that drive that ended with the red zone interception where he threw the ball behind Hill. And some of the 49ers receivers helped out Jimmy G with. He was off the mark multiple right. times. So in that the first get, half, too. that gets intercepted. But so many of the plays that Mahomes had to make, I think, were with his first or second read taken away. And he just had to make something happen. And he did that pretty often. And he was never comfortable. But ultimately, you get credit for. Once your defense gets the ball back, you drove them down the field for those two touchdowns to win the Super Bowl. Like, that's that's I mean, what we, ultimately matters. I'm not giving him credit for Damian Williams' 38-yard touchdown. That's the, that's last the first drive. time we mentioned Damian Williams' name, and he should have been the MVP. Bad job by the voters on that one. Actually, good job sandwich-wise for me. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but they're basically on. saying no position is worth celebrating except the quarterback right, in this game. Yeah, I, I I don't understand how he's named MVP when it is probably the second or third worst game of his entire career. I mean, because I there's only because two 10-point oh fourth-quarter comebacks. wild right I know, now. You're, you're, I know you were in on the 49ers. You are bypassing all of the bad plays he Dude, made. Dude, no, he I, made bad plays, but 2010 in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, 10 plays, 83 yards. 7 plays, 65 yards. Leave out the last touchdown. That is as money as it gets in the biggest of all spots. And I know. What, so what Damian Williams did just doesn't even matter. That's Who's, fine. I you didn't could, say that. You but I'm saying him he had MVP. a better game than Mahomes. 
That's fine. Even I mean, let's calm injury, down with that. He had one. What do you mean down? He did. It was a garbage time touchdown, essentially, at the end that spiked he his He was having still. a good game in the first half. I thought they showed a lot of trust of Damian Williams. I would at least out of the gate. Now I'm talking MVP, but that they, they established their run game early no, I on. I would have you know? given Damian Williams the MVP, too. I, I, he did make people miss. He, he made a receiving touchdown. I'm not, like, offended by it because it is a, a great comeback. There's this, you know, the, that stat that, you know, our uh, our – our shadowy league figure, Mark Brady, sent us that only three teams in the history of the Super Bowl have gone into the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead and blown it. And unfortunately, Kyle Shanahan's been the coach, you know, of the last two to happen. And I got thinking about it, and I was like, well, Richard Sherman's been on two of those too. You know, Tom Brady had a a 14-point fourth quarter comeback against what that year was the most ferocious defense. Very similar in a lot of ways uh, when the Patriots came back against the Seahawks. So, and, and Patrick Mahomes did it today. It's like, I don't care how you get there. If you could do that in that spot, and he made a lot of plays before that, I'm not going to be too upset that he wins an MVP. Let me just say one more thing about in terms of Mahomes statistically far from his best game. And did was he sloppy early on and did he make some, some mistakes? But I just want to hit on again how ferocious the Niners were in their pass rush. And I thought there were several plays, even if they didn't lead to big gains or didn't necessarily lead to scoring drives, where it seemed like a lesser quarterback would have been snowed under. He was escaping pressure all game, running for his life. And I just think those are the things that maybe doesn't show up in the back uh, in the box score. And it's also why I don't buy the idea, oh, he's rattled because he threw a pick or two. I think he stayed, he had remarkable composure in my mind against a defense that smelled blood, and he, he refused to back down. I think it was not a perfect game by him, but a, a reminder of why he's so special. I'd also wonder after the first of two huge shots he took in this game, right. that first hit he took, was, was he enti- was he entirely Ooh. healthy? We just don't know. I mean, he he might have been working through some stuff, but the Niners just I, their secondary collapsed in the end. But they played a nice job early on of like not giving him a lot of looks downfield. Right, like Fred Warner was awesome. I guess that's that's the point I'm trying to make is I think the best defense in the league played their very best for three quarters and they still lost. So that to me is a measure of the greatness of the Chiefs. And Andy Reid and and the whole organization, like the whole team, because the defense really did make some baller plays in the fourth quarter. I mean, they really did make stops. Most Chiefs games this year or certainly last year, like they didn't make those stops and it would just have been going back and forth. In the end, you didn't even have to sweat out the ending. It's their trademark. It's it's not just that they're the first team ever to come from behind double digits three times in a playoff run. It's that they ended up winning all three of those games by double digits. They've got a fast break offense like a basketball team, and every AFC team now has to build their team to stop the Chiefs offense. And it it helps make Andy Reid more bold, I think. Like he if he had, there was a criticism of Andy Reid, it was that he was an aggressive coach until he got a big lead. He was the guy who would blow big leads. He would get conservative. And you have to say, like in the first half of this game, he was the aggressive one. He went for it on fourth down multiple times, and he hit it. Like, and and points came from those. Kyle Shanahan kicked a field goal on That's fourth a good and point. two. They were on the goal line, and he's doing direct snaps to Damian Williams 
uh, on fourth and one on, from the four. I mean, that is about as that is as ballsy a call as the Philly special, and it was not a good snap. It was one of the most underrated plays in that game. The, the direct snap that went to Damian Williams was like a foot and a half to his right, and Damian Williams snatched that thing, and then he went in. If most running backs, I feel like, aren't going to catch that, and everyone's killing Andy Reid. So it, it gets to it. So sometimes it's these players that – that make the bold plays look good. And like Andy Reid was going for it all game, like to score that touchdown, they, they were running option plays where Mahomes was getting killed. Like those were brilliant play calls. You know what the hell of it is? How many times do you think Kyle Shanahan in the last three years has told himself, given himself a pep talk and said, if I ever get this chance again to get back in the Super Bowl, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to go for it. We're going to handle fourth downs differently. And when push came to shove, Coach the same way he did the last time he blew away. Yeah, it's, instead he reminds <laughs> me more of out. Sean McVay coming out of last year's Super Bowl where you're going to have an offseason questioning everything that happened in this 60 minutes. I see. I never – I think you're right, Wes, but I also never – I didn't put almost any of 28-3 to 3 on Kyle Shanahan, and I, I put a lot more on this. And I will remember – He had regrets after that game. He, you know he did. Oh, no, I know he did. But I, I don't think he necessarily did a lot of things wrong. They They – he got they, too much of the blame. Except they, that it will lost. be a talking point all offseason, whether this, you think that or not. Right. This know? year, though, I think he deserves the blame. And it's going to really haunt me. The The image they showed, I, th- I think it was after the— Haunt you? I want to hear about the, this. The, strong. I don't know if it was like the Williams. <laughs> I'm serious. You like got a the, lot going for you. I don't know if it was like the Williams. Greg's going to wake up like Axl Rose <laughs> in the November rain video, covered in sweat, <laughs> heaving. I don't know. if Maybe it was the failed fourth down by the 49ers um, that gave the Chiefs the ball the last time, or it was the Williams run. But they did a quick sideline shot of Kyle Shanahan where it looked like all the air was out of his body, and he just looked like a ghost. This like It was like one, the man. moment that he knew it, it had all happened again. He just looked like – that was a tough press conference to listen to. He was like just through great. He he handled it really well, but you had to feel because when you when when you're the OC in Atlanta and the and the unthinkable happens, you know what that hurts. That will stick with you forever. But the next day you're on a plane and you're going to the press conference to take a new head coaching job. When you're in the big chair, I'm sure this one will will haunt him. Sp- speaking of haunting, this that's going to stay with him forever. And, and hopefully, because he seems like a good dude and he's a great coach, and he's an exciting type guy. Uh, to have in the league because he's so smart and he's changing the game uh, with the way he's calling games. Uh, you just hope he has another chance to get to the summit because maybe maybe we're looking at the new Andy Reid. You know, uh, uh, now that Reid is the, the guy that everyone respected as this great offensive mind that can never get over the hump, and Reid, like you want to talk about winners and losers, maybe we'll do some at the end of the show. Winner, Andy Reid's such a big winner. He's the biggest. And we talked about the week and everybody talked about it, but I just – I, I honestly feel like in my years covering the sport and just being a football fan, Reed has been just such a remarkable, uh, remarkably durable and impressive head coach. But he needed that one. He needed this one to really be the guy that you say no brainer for Canton. And he's the guy we've talked about how he's the godfather and he's got the coaching tree and he's got the longevity and he's got the wins. But now he's got the ring. Well, it seems slightly absurd to me with the whole Hall of Fame thing that had they been nipped in this game that suddenly he's not a Hall of Famer when all these qualities are still true of him. Oh, not uh, there, but no, that's but, just, but but but, just but you're, that's exactly work. how it works because you'd have you'd be hard pressed to find too many other coaches that would get in in that situation. So in a way it feels very just and this game is not a game where one for me one side was easy to root against. Uh, they're both 
Very likable teams. And the Chiefs, though, this feels like a long time coming. I think the stadium had to be 65% Chiefs. Now, that's me guessing when we were, the three of us, Greg, Wes, and I, and I want, this is a comment I would make about watching football in person, tucked away in a, and this was very nice that they put us in these nice seats in this <laughs> press box, but uh, thick sound glass windows and soundless TVs. And it was an odd experience trying to track Some. the emotion of the game. And Dan, you were out there in the second half with uh, one of your cousins and you, you, you felt the second half in a totally different way I than just, I did. I have to say, as somebody that grew up as a teenager, once I realized I wasn't going to play sports professionally, I wanted to write about sports. And then when I started working uh, at the Journal News in Westchester County, New York, and started to learn what the business was about, I became very quickly disillusioned by it to see how I got into it for the love of it. And then it gets kind of sucked away and it becomes a job for people. And this is no disrespect for all the great reporters up there because uh, they were all the best football writers in the business were up there. But I couldn't I felt like we were hermetically sealed. Right. That's well behind put. that glass. And uh, it just reminded me, honestly, more than anything else, just how lucky we are uh, that we get to experience the sport as fans still that uh, it just it's just it's crazy to me that that's how, uh, you know, sports writers tend to cover these games. from yeah. the box. One thing you could hear in that box. The, the moment that's going to be on Andy Reid of football life, when they start chanting his name, you know, with a few seconds left, the entire Chiefs section just chant, Andy, <laughs> Andy, right. Andy. That was nice. Yeah, they, I. it was a reminder, like, the, that when you're in the press box, it all seems like a rumor. And I think you get... It's like I was in a library. I had to whisper to you guys. Yeah, there was, no, there was nothing... <laughs> there's nothing... It's just different. I mean, that's that's how it is. Normally, you know, we're out in the crowd or in, in an open-air thing, and we actually were lucky to, to get moved down there. You know, we, we got helped out by doing that, but I when you're in person, it goes by so it goes by so fast, and you do get that you it, you do are reminded watching it in person in general, whether you're in the crowd or not. That oh, these are just like people playing a game, it, it, and it doesn't feel as like weighty and emotional and crazy. Like what even when it's your team, and I and I've watched the Patriots obviously here. At least you're just like oh, these are just like dudes on a field playing a game. Whereas at home, it feels like life and death and gladiators but that's tv like you really that's the show like that's that's tv it's not necessarily the the sport itself um all right let's let's pause here halftime let's talk halftime what'd you guys think of uh, shakira and jayla i think it might have been one of the i love the beyonce one i think this might have been one of the best halftimes that I've ever seen, but of, at a, of any Super Bowl, I thought they both knocked it completely. Huge, massive home runs. I have a prediction. I think this is the this is the future of the halftime show. That it's so hard to hit on an artist that everybody's into, but I like the idea of this co-headline, where you get the twelve minutes, and in this case, Shakira takes the stage. Shakira, outrageous. I get the appeal. What a nice job by yes. Shakira in a big spot. <laughs> I I Chris Russo, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm using Chris Russo language again. Oh, Sha- Shakira, she did a nice job out there, Mikey. <laughs> she did really well. Um, uh, I wonder and, what his actual assessment is, but yes. Yeah, I, I, as someone someone I saw pointed out, and like Twitter was very horny after that. that <laughs> <laughs> and then J-Lo comes out around the six-minute mark. She does great work. And you remember, oh, she's got some bangers. I kind of forgot J-Lo had bangers. Um, and uh, I just, I, it, was a, it was a good halftime. Was, the Maroon 5 was a large misstep. 
And now we're back on track. Let's go more co-headliners and mix up the genres okay. and go that route. I would say one thing. You know, I, I'm the one that put in the homework and saw Hustlers uh, this, <laughs> sure this, this last offseason and was roundly you know, dismissed by the three of you for doing that. But I knew this was coming after watching that we, performance. You weren't dismissed. You were more questioned. It was like, why did he go opening night? I know how I felt, and I felt totally dismissed. <laughs> Wait, you went opening I night? I did not go at nighttime to begin with. It was like it was a you week. You opening morning? It was a week into the run. And all that said, I, will, I just want to say this, not to get too off track, but as I vouch for co-headlining gigs, I went to this AT&T party where Lady Gaga did a whole show last night. She should be the first person to ever do a, a headline again. That there's not too many out there. Gaga mm. is where it's at to me right now in terms of pop stars that have the 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 true reach. That I'm I'm all team Gaga for a second go around. But yes, I did like the co-headline. Best music performance of the night I thought was Yolanda Adams singing "God Bless America." She was fantastic. Yolanda did a nice. She was a nice job by Yolanda. Yeah, yeah. the was good too. What yeah. about Akina Snow? What was her name? Lovato did a nice Snow job Allegra? too. Snow Allegra. Snow <laughs> Allegra. <Yeah. Hey>, Mikey, <laughs> I'm waiting for her. Speaking of Chris Russo, uh, the Mad Dog was on our preview show on Thursday at Radio Row, and do you have that, Ricky? He he made a prediction that. Maybe it's time to, like, plug in on all Chris Russo-related predictions. Let's listen in. I think it's a dead-even game. Um, I think first of 31 will win. I'll probably lean <laughs> Mahomes. There you go. 31-20. The Mad Dog nails it. I guess doing this for nearly four decades uh, allows you to see things that others do not. It's funny. When he said that, I thought that was uh, an interesting, like, very specific thing to say. It's like, okay, if someone gets the 31, I guess that would, that would be good for them if they got the 31 first. That, that's big. That's good. Uh, all right, let's, let's get back to the game. Uh, scientists, something that jumped out to you guys as you were watching this game. The uh, George Kittle offensive pass interference. Ooh. Which, Did you like the call? I don't like it at all. We saw Al Riveron took us through a play remarkably like this during our talent summit way back in June. And most of the crowd said, no, he asked us, is this pass interference? And most people said, no, it's not. He said, yes, it is. And the coaches want it called offensive pass interference. And when you watch it, I rewatch it about seven different times. It's just a weak call to me. I disagree with Al River on then. I disagree with him now. That's not enough. Considering all of the pushing and hand checking that goes on between receivers and DBs downfield, to me, you let that go. It was a huge play. And in just the game. a little context that was late in the second quarter. The Niners and, you know, Kyle Shanahan, we're not going to pile on this guy. It's a tough night for him. But some of the clock management at the end of the second quarter, I thought he was a little lethargic. Uh, but the, it's a deep throw down the right sideline. Kittle, to me, he pushed off a little. But it's like, what are you going to – when these guys are – these gladiators are in combat trying to just get open. I didn't think it was anything egregious. It's the extension. It changed – it, it cost them – It's also them, the best throw of the night by Garoppolo. Beautiful throw. It cost them at least three points. Uh, and who knows what happens if they, they might have went in there. Who knows? Yeah, it was, a, it was a fascinating turn of events in that couple minutes where it could have gone either way. Kyle Shanahan was just trying to run the ball and go to halftime, which, you know, we've talked about already and was kind of gutless. Um, <laughs> wow. But then Reed, Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> Reed went the other way, and he took a timeout at third and right. five with 19 seconds Little left. Cat and mouse he said, I don't want to go to halftime. I want to try to get Patrick Mahomes the ball. I'm going to trust my defense here. It didn't pay off. The, the 49ers ended up getting in a position uh, to do it. And then the Kittle call you know, ended up kind of evening out. He was moving, and his arm was extended. And so there, I just feel like that is, that they're going to call that when it's totally extended and there's contact. The only problem which I – 
would understand 49ers arguing about is they weren't calling anything. And I'm a little, I'm a little, amb- I guess, ambivalent about them calling an old Bill Vinovich here for the Super Bowl because he's known <laughs> to not call any penalties. And they love putting him in, in big spots. And I thought Mike Pereira, or I think it was him, made a great point in the week. All the biggest problems the NFL has had in the last few years in big moments have been non-calls. And so they bring old Vinovich in because they don't call it. This crew doesn't call any, call any penalties. They were letting him hand check and, and battle all night. So that it was it. Maybe it wasn't consistent. But there's a huge subset of the football community that would rather have a game be light on calls than Overall, heavy on calls. Yes. Please do not. I don't want a, an ex- exhibition of football entertainment where it's all flags going over the field, I, Greg. Come on. I was going to say, uh, and Wes, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought it up because it was such a, a big play in the game. But championship weekend and Super Bowl Sunday, I'm glad there wasn't some massive uh, officiating brouhaha, and there wasn't uh, over the last three games of the season, the three most important games. So that, to me, was, was a positive because it was getting to be ridiculous, to be quite honest with you. Mm. I'll throw out uh, one thing that I'll remember from this game, and I, th- I think 49ers fans really really will too, and maybe not quite the same, but similar to that Jared Goff throw last year that Jason McCourty broke up. I, I, you know, we got on Kyle Shanahan for not being aggressive. Third and 10, it's it's 144 like left, I believe, still at the – or no, it's a, it's a little earlier than that. Third and 10. You know, are they going to try to get five yards and then go for it on fourth down? No, they set up a shot play for their quarterback, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, to go deep down the field. Emmanuel Sanders is open. He beats his guy in a huge spot where you need that first down to keep the game going. They say, no, we, we see something we like. Let's let Jimmy go down the field for a 50-yard touchdown. Sanders beats his guy, and Jimmy doesn't give him a chance. And I, you know, how much of that is Sanders not getting to the ball? Well, he overthrew him. I mean, he he has the defender by a foot and a half. You got to give him a good angle. I didn't get a good angle that showed me that Jimmy was clearly wrong. There was some pressure on the play, but I I think Jimmy Garoppolo's would say that's a throw I can make. I think to your point also, easy throw. by then, that's when Kansas City was starting to light him up. And that play happened sandwiched in between a batted pass. Yep. It happened in between Kendrick Bourne and Kendall Fuller nearly picking off a pass by Jimmy G. Then the one you mentioned, and then in the grasp, fourth down, the game over. Where he just he froze a little bit and didn't get rid of the ball on that Frank Clark uh, fourth down sack where you got to get rid of the ball. And so I think Jimmy G had a good season, and I think you could win a Super Bowl with him because he could have won tonight. But there's going to be questions about Jimmy G, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's just, again, a part of the game. And they I think Tom Brady did an interview uh, today, I think, with his boy, Jim Gray. Yes, he was. I I did not answer your halftime. They're oddly close. I I, uh, took a walk at halftime and they were playing the halftime interview. uh, (laughs) What, Mark? Uh, They were playing Tom Brady and Jim Gray, and Tom Brady was breaking down the game pretty good. I I, Mm. I enjoyed it. Well, Uh, he's basically almost retired at this point. Um, Now his hair is gray, so it's very fitting. um, No, but he did say that something on some levels cliche, but when Tom Brady says that there's more gravitas to it, that that this this game and this stage, it it could change your life. And if you can make that play, if 
Jimmy Garoppolo converts one more first down or makes one more big play or Raheem Mostert makes a guy miss. Uh, we're not talking about any of this stuff. It's it's amazing and it's cruel in a lot of ways the way sports are. But now Kyle Shanahan is almost like the new Andy Reid. He should be so lucky to end up like Andy Reid in 20 years, but that he's going to be the guy. Is he going to be able to get over yeah. the hump? And now Jimmy Garoppolo, you got you got Josh Norman saying it on Sky Sports, and now you're going to have every jabroni on the morning talk show saying it. Is Jimmy G a true franchise quarterback or is he a game manager like that seems like a rough fate for Garoppolo, who I think had a really, really nice season overall. It just didn't break his way in the end. I know, I know I'm not the only one who thought this, but from the way the game started and the way they were calling plays and how conservative they were, at every point in the game, I, I thought, even when they had the lead, the 49ers are going to have to pass to win this thing. They're you, just going to have You were to. like that. You were annoyed that they were not aggressive. I mean, you look at kind of the target numbers for their good receivers – Nine targets for Debo, who had a good game um, running and passing for 39 yards. Uh, Sanders, five targets for 38 yards. Kittle, seven targets for 37 yards. So there's nothing downfield. They ultimately were just a little bit limited offensively that it was kind of a a station-to-station type offense. You got George Kittle on your team, and you're not – I mean, it felt like Chris Jones touched the ball more than George Kittle did. You got to dial his number more often. Sometimes if you're George Kittle – You've been the best player on the field in games. You got to go to the coach and say, "Get me the the mm. deep the damn ball." Um, jumping away from the game for a second again because I just want to hit on this that I thought very cool the NFL 100 celebration on the field. There were some goosebump moments on the field. They they brought out all the um, living players that were selected uh, the 100 greatest players of all time. Uh, a couple of fun moments on there. Uh, Greg, both Patriot moments because, you know, they have such a large footprint on the game in recent years. But just seeing Gronk on the field, the guy's 30 years old and he's he's in that company. It's like, oh, he's getting this he's getting this applause. And I'm sure the Gronk boat cruise or whatever he did this weekend, it was was a nice business the pictures thing. of Belichick and Linda Holiday at the yes, Gronk boat cruise with like some wrestlers and Gronk and scantily clad women are amazing. I just don't understand <laughs> how unless he really enjoyed the Gronk spike cruise or whatever it was, how you could come on the field and if his body's cooperating, he doesn't want to come back out on the field. But, hmm. you know, who knows? And then uh, Belichick. He gets the he gets the hell boot out of him because, you know, he's Belichick and then he flashes his rings on, I think, both hands, which is just a nice job. I have to I have to show some respect and kiss the rings. I was spot. sitting next to Greg during that pretty amazing Belichick moment. I couldn't you know, stand up at that moment. He has nine rings. And Greg was wondering which three rings is he wearing? Like, that's the level of fan ah! problems that Dan is that, that Greg is well, dealing I was with. Like, at this Belichick point. is very calculated. So he I bet there was a purpose to the three that he wore. But I didn't I don't know what the answer was. That's a nice job by Bill, though, going what? to the uh, the Gronk press, uh, the Gronk red carpet. Uh, it's been a, this is the first time in the four years they weren't in the Super Bowl. It seemed like. Bill and Linda had a nice little time this weekend in Miami. They did, and um, that's a nice job by Bill I, and Linda. I don't want to. I don't want to make this any more about the Patriots uh, than it should be. But that pic- it shouldn't be about them at the, all. The Which picture, is none at all, Greg. The so picture of, on, Greg. of Moss, Vinatieri, Brady, Gronk. Belichick, and Gronk. That's that's that was, was pretty fine. cool. That was pretty cool. That made me it was fine. Did well, uh, did Randy Moss flash any rings when they cut to him? No, they didn't. Now and poor Wes, wow. Wel- poor Wes Welker just lost. Uh, <laughs> Where does Wes- the boss shot come from? <laughs> I don't know. Poor don't Wes know. Welker just lost uh, 
another heartbreaker too as the receivers coach oh, of, of the 49ers. Oh, that's a bad. Yeah, that's tough for Wes. I I really felt for him because there's so many Boston sports reporters, you know, in general covering the NFL, and they all did their little Wes Welker uh, story or interviewed mm-hmm. him, and he little he did not want to be talking <laughs> about the Super Bowls. Poor guy, you know, he's he's out here trying to make a career. Kyle Shanahan believes in him as a coach. Um, we should give the Chiefs fans some some love. I want to I want to have a, a direct. I want to share a direct quote. Right after the game, um, me and my cousin watch a little bit of the uh, uh, podium riser, and Andy Reid has this great moment, and uh, and Hunt, the team owner, and it's a nice little thing. And then we're going down the ramp, down to the um, ground level, and a, Chief, a Chiefs fan, and Ricky, you're going to have to bleep this, uh, is just you know walking down the ramp, talking to no one in particular. Holy <laughs> that just happened. Holy that just happened. Holy shit, we are world champions. And I, as a dreamer, Mark, as a as the one of the few optimistic Jets fans that have, that exists in the world, uh, it does give you a little bit of hope. It, it, the fact that and the Chiefs have been a way more successful franchise over the last thirty years than the Jets or the Browns. But it is it is good to just see these uh, these teams. The Eagles a couple of years ago got off the Schneid, and now the Chiefs. I know things are in a bad way, but it, it does remind you that these teams, your number tends to get called eventually, and you just keep the faith, as these Chiefs fans did. From the flip side, I mean, I look at Niners fans who <laughs> I knew are... you take the flip no, side. No, no, it's, it's, you're right. You're right. Perfect. But the, the, it's, it's not a stunner in the, the, from the minute they had Patrick Mahomes on the field. It's not, that this, it's not stunning that they're here. I mean, you could feel the buildup. And the Niners felt that they were building up some, to something, too. And Niners fans... You know, if you're a 45-year-old Niners fan, you've had plenty of enjoyment in your life. But the past couple years have had been rough pre-Kyle Shanahan. You had two coaches that came and went in one season. People were questioning ownership. People were questioning everything the organization was about. You get to this point, it's 2010 with 15 minutes to go. And an hour later, you're questioning your reality and what's next and if you'll ever get back. I just think, like, because we live in, a, in an era to your point where the offseason is going to, like, the last game we saw is going to generate hundreds of hours of questions and conversation. Jimmy G is suddenly someone who went from potential darling of the countryside to being now picked <laughs> apart between now and next September or now until he wins a Super Bowl. And a uh, well, shout out to the, the Niners organizationally because who got killed worse than, you know, the York family and that and that whole organization during the fiasco that was the Jim Tom Sula, Chip Kelly run that they did. And, we- and they were even worse the decade before under the same. They were the worst team in the NFL in the mid aughts. So they they have built a really strong nucleus and they have the right head coach. And I, yes, I think we're all in agreement. They have a, the right quarterback that can take them uh, uh, to the promised land. But like we said earlier <laughs> in the week, the future promises nothing. And I saw Jed York as walking through the catacombs of uh, the former, the erstwhile Joe Robbie Stadium. It's always how I, I see it. They yeah. can completely gut and renovate the place. And change the capacity from like eighty to sixty-two thousand. I was intimate stadium. Here. I was here for the last one, and it you wouldn't. It doesn't even feel remotely like I it's love a, this it's place. totally it's cool. new, awesome stadium. It's really uh, great. But Jed York, obviously, super downtrodden. Nothing will top the the catacomb. Am I using the right word? That's yeah. That I mean, that's sense. like a, a layer and tunnels know, underneath yeah. the, the earth, catacomb. You know, uh, walking in front of uh, Kyle Shannon was in that locker room too. But Arthur Blank coming out of the uh, locker room and his 
what I assume to be his grandson falling into his arms sobbing. Nothing will beat the sadness of that. But Jed York walking away, again, just a reminder of all the buildup to this moment and to come out of this game empty-handed, it's just such a tough pill organizationally to swallow. You have a knack for running into losing owners because we also saw Arthur Blank with, I believe, a grandchild or a child of some sorts crying in his arms after the Falcons tumbled against the Patriots. Isn't that what I just said? Oh, well, it's late. It's been a hey, long week. See how it feels when I repeat something you just told the but listener. But that's even by, like, the standards of our like podcast. It was like seconds, yeah. It was pretty good. Like, I was looking at you. I said that to you, and then you said the same thing right back to I my am, eyes. I am at this point. I is, agree, Mark, that it was a point that needed to be amplified. Thank you. I needed yeah. to mention it again from my perspective. Yeah, because if you're, if, you're, if you're a 49ers fan, uh, and they, you know, they have great fans, there's every reason to believe they're going to be good, but they're also in a division with Russell Wilson with the last year's NFC championship uh, champion, the Rams and Kyler Murray. To me, that's you know going into next year, probably the best division in football. And then you got to start all over and try to get the buy and hope you get, you know, breaks like, like they got this year. And I think chiefs fans know that well, like how many breaks you need. Cause they've been in the playoffs a lot. They were certainly close uh, a year ago. The, the re, you know, Andy Reid's been in the playoffs every year since he's been there. And this is the year it kind of, you know, finally came together. And you could just feel the enjoyment from early on, like them, like really loud. This one did break through the, the plexiglass, you know, singing fight for your right to party, like the entire stadium. I mean, uh, you know, singing home of the Chiefs at the end of the the anthem. I mean, there were moments here where it felt much more like, a home atmosphere than most Super Bowls do. Like usually the entire stadium is not rocking to like their own pet song, fight for your right to party. Like I don't remember much of that at Super Bowls. How many middle-aged white sports writers in that, uh, in that uh, booth are tapping their feet to the beastie boys? I think <laughs> no, get wild in there. No one, no looked, one was tapping no one, their feet to yeah, anything. No one in looked that room. up from their computer. <laughs> <laughs> not once. Um, let's do a little winners and losers before we get out of here. How about winner Ryan Bartlett, our yeah, um, buddy, the producer at NFL Media. He's helped us out producing our video shows over the years. He's he's produced damage. He's done it all. Uh, he came down here with a ticket, right? So he's just in the crowd as a fan. Did any of you run into him? I never actually I saw ran into him Bartlett. Ryan Bartlett again, who we talked who about. Who had a big weekend. It wasn't just <laughs> I think Sunday. he was keeping different he, hours than I was. He made sure he enjoyed this weekend. After, uh, if you're a listener to the podcast, after the AFC Championship win, Bartlett, who's as diehard as they come, uh, was supposed to be back at studio. Ricky, something about ingest? Yeah, that, I'm not sure. Yeah, he, he would have been. He had in, to do something. He would have been back in Culver City uh, taking ingest uh, for this podcast. Uh, but there is some uh, the help that he got. He got a ticket to the game and, and he had a friend here with him. And I did bump into Bartlett about a half hour before kickoff. He was feeling no pain and very excited. And uh, we're all very happy for him because I know Ryan, uh, you know, it's it's been not uh, the easiest year for him. So this is such a, a nice moment for him. And I'm really happy for him because he's one of the good dudes at our company. So he's a big winner. Big winner. I've got Miami, not just as a Super Bowl city, which it's already my favorite one, but just Miami. as a fantastic city, period. One of the most impressive cities I've ever That's seen. That's a nice job by Miami, Mikey. It looks to me like a future, the future port city mega metropolis that maybe an ancient mariner mm. saw in his wildest like Caribbean fever dreams. Mm. You got sun, sun-dappled side skyscrapers dancing with like colotic 
kaleidoscope skies and it's just a beautiful place to be in um i i loved it as a city people it, it felt like a different country to me it's like, got, this it's is got the a first cu- it's got a culture all its own which is awesome yeah it's the first Super Bowl i've been at where i thought okay the people are exotic the languages are exotic the food is exotic it feels like i'm in some caribbean major city and not in the united states and i loved every minute of it I think it's similar to I, the, my other favorite Super Bowl city in that way, New Orleans, where it does feel like you could be nowhere else but New Orleans when you're there. And it's similar to here. It also makes you feel um, very inferior or, uh, you know, just alert to your lack of body uh, strength. Makes if, if you feel. Yes. D- don't say makes us feel. Yes. No, I feel no fine one is about walking, my body. No one's leaving Miami and feeling great Greg's about their the body. doing the everyone with his Oh, please. We have I'm insecure. Everyone's insecure <laughs> about this. We've made, I'm not really even insecure. Who cares? This but covers my bases. Everyone's, everyone's uh, body in this city is a banging 10. We all joked about it. That no, of course it, it, it was absurd. That way. It's an absurd city of beautiful people, oh, and yeah. I hate it. <laughs> what was that, Mark? <laughs> oh, uh, winner, yeah. Mark. You got a winner? Well, I have a loser because, yeah, I mean, within, oh, the, yeah. within the game, we've been through a lot of these characters from tonight. But the loser is the American Football Conference and specifically the AFC West and everyone that at this point. This reminds me of when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers oh, won yeah. a decade ago to kick off the 2010s because we came off of that game thinking the sky's the limit. Aaron Rodgers probably is a disappointment if he doesn't go and win three or four more of these with what's around him at this time. This was a lesser game by Patrick Mahomes. And it's imagine what happens if they get him clicked in in an offense just like this a year from now where you don't get the crazy, uncharacteristic turnovers and you just get him playing at high throttle, full fever dream status. And, the Chiefs are unstoppable. And think if, about if, you know, unless they're ripped apart by free agency. Back to week five or six or whenever one happened and Patrick Mahomes' knee is physically ripped out of place. And again... Sports, dude, they're weird. If if that goes maybe six inches further or it just bends a certain way in the other direction, he's on an operating table, season's over, and the title drought is 51 or 52 years. I mean, they caught a huge break by that injury not being season-ending because at that moment it felt like it was all over. Uh, and, yes, if you're in the AFC West, you're nervous that this kid – who's 24 years old, now has a league MVP, a Super Bowl title, two division titles, and a Super Bowl MVP under his belt, and he's just getting warmed up. Hmm. You're worried that this is the new Tom Brady. Your only hope is that... that. Right, your only hope is that he's apathetic or bored a year from now and decides, I've done everything. He now, I mean, with the the title, he's got to start that only, like we said, Marino and Warner, you know, have had really Warner in terms of winning winning the Super Bowl and getting an MVP. It's it's a little scary. How about a, a winner, Brett Veach? Remember yes, our old buddy Brett absolutely. Veach? All right, you tell me why. I want to know. Because for all of the stories that came out of the Chiefs <laughs> trading up from – I just want to hear Greg talk like Brett Veach I know. again. A huge trade up from like 26 to 10, and the inspiration behind it is Brett Veach falls in love from a scouting perspective, as much as a scout can fall in love with a quarterback and basically gets the entire organization to watch Patrick Mahomes with Brett Veach's eyes. Hmm. And that's why he's in Kansas City. John Lando, a famous uh, rock critic and producer, has an all-time like rock history famous line. I've, I've looked into the future. I've seen the future in a, of rock and roll, and it's Bruce Springsteen in 1975. Veach, and I learned this, West from your piece, which was great, and don't stop writing. Keep writing, Wes. <laughs> Thank you. You're f- awesome at it. Sorry. Um, uh, but 
um, he saw it. He saw it before anybody else. Before he even took a meaningful snap, he was saying this guy's the best quarterback in the league. So that's a big shout-out to Veach. Yes. Had a bold, uh, you know, move to bring in Frank Clark and get rid of D. Ford, which certainly I think tonight was a, a night where D. Ford got dominated pretty well by, mm. by Mitchell Schwartz. J- just came a within night. a whisker of a couple turnovers himself, D. Ford. He almost, for- he almost pounced on one and forced another. I'm going to uh, give a winner just for guys making some money. Uh, Chris Jones and uh, Kendall Fuller are both free agents this offseason. Money watch. And they both – well, I have them, we have them in the, in the rankings. Chris Jones is, is, you know, doing a defensive version of Joe Flacco where you have a monster playoff run right before you hit free agency. He was going to make a lot of money. Anyways, Kendall Fuller made – the interception Kendall Fuller made was maybe the best – play anyone made all night the game was kind of over at that point but that was an incredible play and he made another huge pass breakup where he read the play before anyone else in the fourth quarter he's been a really good player for a while and those two guys I think will probably get paid off of this because the Brett Veach who's who's done some good work they have a lot of work to do they have a ton of defensive players uh hit for free agency and not a lot of cap room a winner and a loser Greg Rosenthal no uh because in your eye because Greg uh, picked the 49ers to win on our <laughs> podcast and picked the Chiefs to win on our oh. website. Well, that the website one was phony. That's a I bad pick, job by you. I picked the Greg. 49ers. It's I actually se- a great job. No, I sent that in. Uh, yeah, that's the mark move. I sent that in last week and forgot about it, unfortunately. So that my pick was the 49ers, of which I was wrong. Uh, a winner, another winner, I would say uh, our old friend Kevin Harlan, friend of the podcast, the great mm. announcer, uh, who with this kind of we didn't mention this, but he won some type of award for greatest announcer in the world or something a couple of weeks ago. And I her- happened to hear his call of the Damian Williams uh, clinching touchdown run. Let's listen in, Ricky. Under center, Mahomes, second down, six, handoff to Williams, got a block from the fullback, he's at the 35, the 30, breaks a tackle on the sideline, 20, chasing him down the sideline, the 10, the 5, touchdown! That's it! That's it! A 38-yard touchdown run by Damian Williams. 1-12 to go, three touchdowns in the last five minutes of this game. And the Chiefs lead by 10, 30 to 20. It was a bigger pro than Kevin Harlan. No, I'm at the point where I'd like to hear a two- or three-minute highlight reel, and I'm not sure you could even get to that length of plays where he flubs the call because it doesn't seem to ever happen. (laughs) I got a winner. Yeah. Guy who nearly threw his football career away. Honey Badger Mm. at LSU in college. Um, He's the story. You can you can author your own life story. He he could have gone the other way. And he said, no, I want to be committed to football. Bruce Arians drafts him in the third round. He plays at an all pro level. As soon as he reaches the all pro level, tears his ACL, Mm. comes back, takes him a year or two, finally returns to the all pro level, tears his ACL again, goes to Houston and then finds a. Chiefs team where he says, I'm going to go there because the priority is winning the Super Bowl. Came there to win the Super Bowl. The minute he walked in the door, Spag said the entire culture changed. Tyron Matthew was the agent of that change. Hmm. I saw Spags, by the way, uh, on the field about 20 minutes after it ended. The the Fox setup, uh, the Fox TV setup, Michael Strahan on the dais, and Spags goes up to Strahan gets his attention, and they share a big hug because Strahan, of course, was the uh, pass rusher on that first title. So Spags is not a guy that's probably going to get another look as a head coach, uh, but this was 
a big win for him. Another big win. Mixers. <laughs> Bill yes. Zeuser threw a, a, a mixer that was lit uh, <laughs> in uh, room 1417. Streets are talking. And Ricky. Good move. Your takeaway. We got all the cousins. We got the family members. We got the uh, brothers. We got the sisters. We got the wives. We got the friends. And I feel like the mixer, it was pretty lit. Yeah, I mean, I know you were a little nervous that people weren't showing up. I was up. a little late. I couldn't stop staring at the door. You were waiting. You know, really? My cousins, I didn't Mike, know this. My cousins, Mike and Matt, were like, Dan, are you sure they're coming? I was like, they'll be here. They'll be here. They said they'd be here. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, we got a nice crowd, even Handsome Hank, oh, the vice such president a good, such a good of time. International showed up. It feels like a good tradition. It is. I feel like mixers next year we'll do it in March. You went all out, Dan. You had ice filled in the sink yeah. with, with the booze and it was the well done. Perrier nice presentation. That's a nice job, Danny. <laughs> it's a good job well, part, by you. Yeah, part of it is hope, hopefully um, you know another winner would be whoever booked us our hotel rooms because you know we those were some nice rooms. Yeah, we, nice job with that. I mean that room was fitting for a party. I got I got some winners yeah. for you. How about Nick Shook? And Kevin Patra, they write for a little site called Around the NFL. Do you remember this thing? Vaguely. We used to write for it, and they've been pounding out uh, great work all week. Um, they really have been working hard and putting out good stuff. Like, Shook's working so hard, I haven't actually even seen Shook all Some week. Some once, which is biggest sad. ever. Kevin, I, mean, I think, like, working less would make you a, a true winner. It sounds like they're just they're right. taking the role well, of, like, grunts and workhorses at this yeah, point, they, and you're but, calling the winners. But they're putting out quality where Kevin was at the mixer and uh, – you know, who's better than Kevin? I, I think, you know, he'll always be in my heart uh, for one of the, the great moments in around the NFL history, which was on a, a Super Bowl uh, recap show. It, it was Ricky. a sad moment, but it was a kind of a resolved moment. They answered all the questions without being dead. Nobody asked me how big my was. <laughs> that was a magical moment from Kevin Patrick back at our Super Bowl in Houston, Texas. It has lived on... Uh, that's in our great. memories, and the memories have even changed from the reality. I just our I, producer uh, Mark Brady just took a header off the third level <laughs> of Hard Rock Stadium, so he can't hear what was played. So he's just looking at you guys like you're crazy. Greg, don't I know you're not going to toot your own horn, but you're a winner. You get to walk into a press box and see people like Tyler Dragon, who you hired, mm. now a beat writer, and Gilbert Manzano, another guy you hired as a beat writer, and Nick Shook, you hired all these people. Good for you. Good job good by for, you, good Ricky. Good for Tyler. This is getting <laughs> a little Tyler. extemporaneous. Um, all right, let's before we get out of here, let's go through the sandwich props because Daddy needed a win. Daddy got his win. Super Bowl Fifty Four uh, MVP is Patrick Mahomes. I got three sandwiches there, which salvaged oh. my season because in addition to getting the three there, I got three W's off you guys. None uh, of us got so it. that's a six and zero oh, uh, to save Ooh. my season. Uh, in a Greg big spot. Super Bowl 54, Debo Samuel will have more receiving yards than uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Mark, you got the stats in front of you. Is that correct? I don't believe it was close. It was not close, but he had a good no. game. If I had said rushing yards, uh, for a while it was fun. But, yeah, the, the Tyreek killed me in the end. Um, 94 total yards. Love that guy. Mark, you had a 15-minute stoppage of play, non-injury related. It just it didn't come it didn't land this somehow year. it did not occur it didn't come home this one and Wes you had George Kittle and Travis Kelsey both top 116 receiving yards which I believe is the Super Bowl tight end record this was not a big game for either player although Kelsey had a huge touchdown in the fourth quarter I think Kyle Shanahan lost George Kittle and his couch cushions or something I, what, what happened to that guy in the last three weeks <laughs> but to correctly PR go get my lunch let's just look at the 
overall standings for this entire campaign we've been through. Uh, coming in at fourth place, Dan with 12 and 15. <laughs> in a big spot, Third six place, today, though. Yeah, yes. No, you, you, you <laughs> did a, a lot spot. to get into fourth place out of four. Greg, 13 and 13 in, th- in the third spot. Wes, very nice, 16 and 15 in spot number two. Oh, and then someone <laughs> named Mark, who is at 16 and 14 atop the heap. You got one somehow prediction. that was not the lead. You got one prediction that was right not out the of lead. eight. This well, season. somehow you're <laughs> cares how I do it. Somehow you're not leading. I mean, if we're gonna go like and somehow talk, I am leading to to talk the whole season, we could do overall standings, which you are buried in in last place. I know, and, but uh, yeah, I still have a nice a nice lead. It's ridiculous how I didn't long we've been how doing to play this. the game until season four. The, the, so. my overall record is one sixty six and one forty nine. That's how many times we've played. Can you it's possibly not toot your own horn for three minutes in a row? <laughs> we just we this just, entire show is about we, Greg tooting Greg's own. We, All right, we, we just said you. It. Mark, our friends at Little Caesars, who I don't care about any other pizza operation. If you've ever heard me talk about another pizza operation, they're terrible. The only one that matters is Little Caesars. And I'm going to ask you, as a real corporate man, who delivered Little Caesars-style Super Bowl 54? Andy Reid. He sure did. He got the W. From wire to wire. This is a. This is What's he eating? What's he eating tonight? He's going to be eating multiple Little Caesars pizzas along with other uh, trinkets. <laughs> he did say he was going to have some cheeseburgers, but with extra cheese. How about a little Little Caesars right. with some extra cheese? Come Take on. it easy, Andy. Have fun, but let's not get reckless here. <laughs> All right. Watch the dairy. Guess what, guys? We did it. It's another season. Another season. Our seventh together, I believe. Yep. Yes, sir. Started this podcast in July of 2013. And here we are now in February of 2020. Almost ended after that that Patrick comment. Um, well, that remains to be seen. Yep. Oh, that one, yes. But then amplifying it years later, that 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 could bang us in a big spot. But uh, <laughs> it was another great season. And uh, as everyone knows, if you're fans of this show, uh, we will not let up because the season's over. Because uh, as much as it pains Mr. Sessler. Uh, we now have the combine coming up. We have free agency. We got the draft. So the season, the owners NFL meetings. calendar, the owners' meetings moves on, and we'll be tracking all of that as we do with multiple shows every week. So make sure you continue uh, to uh, tune in. And also everyone that was at our live show at the Miami Improv on Thursday night, that was an excellent time. We had a great time. We got to talk to a bunch of fans after the show. And uh, we had a uh, we had a grand time doing that. That's a nice little Super Bowl tradition now. So it was a very fun and successful uh, pie, uh, season for the podcast. We have more people listening to us than ever before, and we are all very blessed and uh, humbled. Quite frankly, Greg, not so much, but the other three uh, humbled please, to be please. in this position. A great lively crowd at the live show. They were into it from the from the minute we started and carried it all the way through. All right. That's it. And uh, my cousin Mike, I want to let you know that I love you. And I'm thinking of you, buddy. All right. Let's head back. Let's get on an airplane and head back to California. This is Dan Hansis signing off from Hard Rock Stadium for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Rick Hollywood on the boards. I'm giving you my jacket, Ricky. You're going to get warm in a second. Gentlemen, another season in the books. Till Thursday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.